Welcome to Intimacy Architecture with Christy Ann Bella. This call-in radio show is here to help you discover the power of your intimacy. So join us with your questions for Christy Ann and her world-renowned guests, authors, speakers, and doctors. Together, they will help you build a life you love. This is a shame-free space where no topic is taboo. Here is your host, Christy Ann Bella. Greetings. Hello, everyone. I am Christiane Bella, and you are listening to Intimacy Architecture Radio, helping you to build a life you love. And for those of you who are going to get to watch this on YouTube and Instagram, you'll see my gorgeous altar I created for Halloween. I'm, uh, I have all it decked out with a fun little witch's house and some candles. And um, yeah, so I'm in the festive mood as it is the eve of Halloween. And my guest tonight is Reed Michalko. Reed about sex, the sex geek. Uh, he has been a pivotal uh, part of my sex education journey. And so I'm so honored and very grateful to have him here tonight. Welcome, Reed. Thank you. And he said like pivotal. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that I I, I contributed to whatever. Um, I hope it was good. I hope it, it was, was good. So good. It was so good. <laughs> and my husband's life too, actually. Um, yeah. So you are a sex educator, a uh, mm-hmm. sex geek, as you've deemed yourself. Yeah, and, clear, clearly uh, labeled for yes. people watching on YouTube. Yes. I, and I wore my orange sex geek t-shirt uh, because of Halloween. So happy Halloween. Oh, I love it. Thank you. So, yeah, so I actually met you um, at a workshop you were doing at the Pleasure Chest, and I was Mm -hmm. trying to remember, I want to say at least eight years ago, give or take, um, and you and your partner, Allison, were teaching a class on polyamory. I was newly Mm separated-ish, and I had a date. I think I got off like OkCupid, and uh, I was like, all right, well, I had heard this expression, date your species which is mm. uh, something that you coined. And I was like, oh, this is the, the guy, the date your species guy. Oh, perfect. I'm going to take this new date of mine to this polyamory class to see if we're in the same species. Cause, <laughs> and it worked out, you know, well, briefly. I mean, it was, it was fun. Were you at least the same phylum? Like were you in the, in the same yeah, yeah, category? I mean, we were, yeah, we were, you know, <laughs> both new to non-monogamy and, mm-hmm. uh, and looking for something more than just like a one night stand, but yeah. also out of like a serious relationship to just wanting to have fun. So, so yeah, it was interesting. And yeah. then, uh, yeah, the rest is history. So <laughs> tell me a little bit about that concept about date your species, because that is a wonderful idea of like kind of narrowing down what are the key things that you want out of a relationship mm-hmm. and finding somebody yeah. who, you know, is that same hell? Yes. Mm. Um, well, so first, just thanks for having me on your show, like that anyone calls me anymore and, and says, hey, um, that's just an honor and a privilege. Mm-hmm. And also that, you know, to everybody who's listening and, and tuning in, like, this is a big deal. Just the idea of wanting t- and being curious mm-hmm. about sexuality, about, you know, what makes for good relationships, like not, yeah. not everybody's listening to all the shows or reading all the books or, you know, doing, going to all the workshops. So I just, I just really want to acknowledge like how important that is for everybody because I grew up in a family mm-hmm. where my mom and dad loved each other a ton, but they were the generation where they hadn't quite mm-hmm. gotten to the, like, let's read all the books. Right. Let's, you know, go to therapy or mm-hmm. do the workshops. Like it, it wasn't, um, wasn't like that for my mom and dad. And, 
that really impacted my life and my brother's mm-hmm. lives growing up because we had two people that loved each other yeah. tremendously and their inability to talk about and work through their their wants, needs, and desires mm-hmm. would kind of destroy the family in a, in a certain way. Like they got all the good basic programming in, in the beginning, you know, mm-hmm. we would catch them making out in mm-hmm. the kitchen or they were always cuddling on the couch or the, the, the family TV was in their bedroom. So we would all right. puppy pile Aww. on the bed. But as, as they, you know, as we all grew up and they continued being together, like they're them not talking about things mm-hmm. really fucked things up. And, you know, then they were on the opposite sides of the bed and weren't making out anymore. And Mm. eventually my mom would self-medicate with alcohol. And my dad was the generation of if the woman I love is not happy, it's because we don't have enough prosperity. And he became Mm. a workaholic. And the the reason I'm sharing all this is like this would set me on the trajectory that would eventually lead to date your species. Right. Which, you know, for me, it was how do I how do I love somebody the way that my mom and dad loved each other, but mm. not destroy them? Mm. And like, what were my mom and dad missing? Cause love wasn't going to be enough. Right. And this is, this is kind of where we get into the date your species. Like, yeah, I think all of us know somebody, maybe ourselves, I'm pointing to myself right now, but the listeners can't see that. But like maybe yeah, a lot of us know people who, whose relationships were great mm. right at the beginning. Like, cause we're high when we fall in oh, love, yeah. the yeah. the brain research indicating that the brain centers that are active when you're in love are the same brain centers that are active when you're addicted to cocaine <laughs> and you're just now you're in love with your dealer mm-hmm. and they're in love with their dealer yeah. and everything's bright and rosy until, until the high starts to mm-hmm. fade. Um, so dating your species as a concept is the idea that like what's a good fit for you Mm. in relationship when you're Mm. not in love, like when you're not stoned out of your mind (laughs) on on brain cocaine and, and, and to start considering like, what's a good fit. We need to nerd out and dive into like the bullshit that culture gives us Mm. because culture for the most part, right gives us really horrible messaging and ideas around what relationships are. Mm-hmm. And, um, and now I almost like, I want to grab my whiteboard and start drawing. Cause we also have YouTube video, but, <laughs> but for, for, okay. So for folks following along at home, mm-hmm. you can go to uh, readaboutsex.com, R E I D about sex.com forward slash Ven V E N N. And you can download the Venn diagram about what right. I'm about to describe. So this is, there's a Venn diagram because nerds make diagrams. Mm-hmm. Um, the cultural messaging that screws us around relationships, t- in my opinion, go okay. get a second opinion, but it breaks down to three categories that overlap. Mm-hmm. There's relationships and the metric that we use to measure the success okay. is, is duration. Mm-hmm. So the longer you're together, the more successful your relationship was. Right. That's and then and and then just to make it easier 
for some of us who do do all the workshops, like imagine like our great grandparents, mm-hmm. that was the, their measurement for success. Oh, it was even mine. I, my first marriage, I was determined to make it to 10 years. I somehow thought if I could make it to 10 years, all these problems we had would magically disappear because we made it to 10 years and that like meant something. Yeah. But, but yeah. Yeah. So, so, so duration so, isn't. So yeah. we're taught that, right? right? We're taught that, that, that the longer we're together, the more successful mm-hmm. relationships were. And then the second circle is like the, the, the currency of relationships. What's, what makes you worthy or valuable right. is what I'm going to call attraction. Mm-hmm. So if you're attractive, you can attract a mate and, and they, will, they will find you worthy of a relationship. So like, what does culture mm-hmm. tell us about that? And that's like, mm-hmm. do you have the right job? Are you conventionally pretty for the times, right? Because that changes over, oh, over right. eras. <laughs> Um, do you dress the right way? Do you live in the right place? Do you come from the right family pedigree? Can you bear healthy children? Can you provide financially? Like all the things mm-hmm. that make you attractive, culturally speaking, mm-hmm. and that differs from culture to culture. Right. And, and that when you pair it with, I'm going to try to do all the things to be attractive mm-hmm. and then find somebody who's also doing all the things to be attractive. And then we're going to try to stay together as long as we can. (laughs) Some of you might also start to see like, Oh, wait a minute. I start to see the problem, but wait, Mm -hmm. there's a third, third piece to this that makes it that turbocharges Mm -hmm. how horrible this ends up. Um, This Venn diagram, by the way, I've, I've uh, labeled the Venn diagram of misery. Um, (laughs) Because when you take the third piece and overlap it with the other two, <laughs> that sweet spot where all the circles meet, yeah, this is why things turn out so horribly for mm-hmm. so many people when they fall out of the high of love. Right. The third piece is how we measure or mm. how we define love. Mm. Now this, listen, draw closer, <laughs> listeners. Um, most, at least I'll just speak for as an American, mm-hmm. like, like American culture, we used to define, I think we still do mm-hmm. define love as sacrifice. Oh yeah. Yeah. Martyr. So like very, very, very Jew, mm-hmm. Judeo Christian, but yeah. sacrifice, like the more hell I go through mm-hmm. proves, proves how much I love you. So, right. so I'm going to be somebody I'm not. Mm-hmm. to attract somebody who's also being somebody that they're not to stay in a relationship longer to prove it was successful and to sacrifice more so that I can mm-hmm. prove to you in my community, how much I loved you. Right. And when you combine all three of those, that little sweet spot in the middle mm-hmm. just sucks. Right. So if we're going to talk about dating your species, like we need to deconstruct that. Mm-hmm. Or else what you end up doing is to try to have a healthier relationship, you just double down on all those principles. Yeah. And so like if you shake up your Etch-a-Sketch, if I had an Etch-a-Sketch right now, I would shake it up. <laughs> the What you should, what in my opinion, what you should swap it out. So it's not the Venn diagram of, of misery, mm-hmm. but the Venn diagram of happiness, Yay! fulfilled relationships, <laughs> oh, is rather than duration, it should be depth. Mm-hmm. So it's not how long you were together. It's how real you were with mm. each other. 
Mm-hmm. And and the measurement, the the measurement in your relationships there is, are you having the conversations mm. that you're afraid would end the relationship? Ooh. So rather than walking on eggshells and avoiding right. speaking about the elephant right. in the room, does, right it, does everybody, yeah. yeah, like, can we talk about the elephant in the room? And, th- and right. then that can be a little bit tricky because, because you need to like be a little bit more informed about trauma and power differentials because for some of us and, and for me and in, in my journey, like I got really good because of my parents about mm. talking about the elephant in the room because that's right. what they did not do. Yeah. But like me being willing to talk about the elephant in the room can occur as, especially for me as a cisgendered extroverted white guy, yeah. like that can occur as very aggressive. Mm. And like, I'm almost attacking you because I won't let mm-hmm. it go. Like we have to talk about this. Figure it out. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a couple of things you need to get better at, but the general principle, are you saying, are you sharing the things that you're afraid would end at the relationship? Right. In this, and feel free to stop me at any. At any well, time. I had a question that, that yeah. do you think one of the things your parents, like, was it just the taboo of sex you feel like your parents were talking about? Or was it just like other pieces of, of intimacy or, or getting, you know, as you change, the longer you've been with somebody just like, Hey, this is a new version of me. Like, do you feel it was kind of all of that? Or was it a mainly I, like sex? It was mostly, it, it was mostly in my opinion, <clears throat> growing up in that family that my mom and dad inherited the don't rock the boat, mm. you know, generational advice of my grandparents, like their parents. So like, if you, and I don't think my dad had an affair or my mom, mm-hmm. but it was ki- kind of like mad men version of, if you had mm-hmm. an affair, no one talked about it because, right. oh my goodness, you'll end the, the marriage and we have to yeah. stay together for the kids. So like mm-hmm. they just were amazing at not talking about stuff right. until things festered. And then mm-hmm. there was an explosion yeah. and a lot of slamming doors. And then they just never brought it up again. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of people grew up in families like that. Oh, yeah. Um, so so the second diagram circle mm-hmm. around- Happiness. Rather, yeah. <laughs> rather, rather than attraction mm-hmm. as the, the currency for relationships, mm-hmm. uh, my opinion is that it should be self-expression. Mm. So are you being the person you feel happiest about? Are you Do you have the job that makes you happiest? Do you- Live where you want to live. Like, are you being the person that makes you happiest, not who you think would make other people happy? Mm-hmm. And then see who's attracted to that. Uh, and where this gets a little tricky is you might actually be rejected for who you really are. And that's the risk. Right. And you might scare away all the people when you start being really you. Like when I realized that I was a, a you know, polyamorous queer slutty guy a lot of my the people who wanted me to be monogamous just left me and it hurt because I really love these people Mm -hmm. I just and I was good at monogamy I just didn't want to be monogamous yeah um but then because I would share like I think I'm queer I think I'm polyamorous Mm -hmm. I think I'm really slutty everybody left I had all the rejection and the abandonment issues Mm -hmm. like I was stuck in fourth grade hell but then what interesting would be like, people would come to me, new people and they'd be like, did, did you say queer? Yeah. Did you say poly? Like, and like, did you, did you say slutty? And I'd be like, mm-hmm. yes. And they're like, come with me. Yeah. You're in the wrong room. 
there's a room <laughs> right down the hall you really need to be in. And so then, then the yeah. people that I started like seeing romantically r- really loved me for who I was, mm-hmm. not who I was trying to be. Right. That makes sense. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because that's really the fundamental relationship is with yourself first, but we, you know, we attempt to try to get that external hit of that, you know, that good new relationship drug of validation and love. And, Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah. And we want to do a good job. Like we want to fit into society in those ways where we're not going to be canceled. This is another like reason why cancel culture really rocks Mm -hmm. as hard is like, we want, to be doing all the right things, but some of the the age old advice skews everything. Mm. Um, and then, of course, there's the third circle, which which maybe we should just which dangle I that. Think, yeah, we have to save that till after we come back from from break. So you will yes. get the third circle in just a moment as we return with our guest Reed Mahalko, and I am Christiane Bella. You are listening to Intimacy Architecture. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The holidays are just around the corner. Do you want to go through another round of fighting and avoiding your family? Or are you ready to build the life you love? Intimacy Architecture is here to help with our Relationship Reset Program, which combines individual and partner sessions. Learn communication techniques, self-awareness, and shift your approach to connection so you can restore trust and enjoy healthy relationships with those close to you. Visit IntimacyArchitect.com to enroll. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to Intimacy Architecture. We want to hear from you on the show today. Call in to 1-866-472-5788. You know there's a question you have or something on your mind. That's 1-866-472-5788. Feeling shy? That's okay. Send an email to intimacyarchitect at gmail.com. Christiane might be answering you on an upcoming show. Now back to Intimacy Architecture. Hello, hello, and welcome back, everyone. I'm Christiane Bella, and this is Intimacy Architecture. Our guest tonight is the sex geek himself, Reed Mihalko, and we are talking about dating your species and really getting through um, the difficult conversations that you need to have to get beyond just, you know, I love you and I'm, I'm high on your good juicy, you know, new relationship buzz to to that place of where we can really be in a deeper relationship with ourselves and those around us. And so Reed was about to give us the uh, next circle in the Venn diagram of happy relationships. Uh-huh. So let's hear yeah. it. Okay. So, so just to recap, for those of you just joining us, mm-hmm. we've got um, it's depth, not duration. So it's how, you know, cause you know, realizing three years in you should transition relationship is what success is not Mm -hmm. that you were able to last 30 years and be miserable. So depth, not duration. And then rather than, than attraction, Mm -hmm. it's self-expression. So are you being the person that makes you happiest and see who's attracted to that Mm -hmm. rather than you fitting yourself into some sort of cultural box. So the third circle 
um, for love, the definition of love shouldn't be sacrifice, mm. like bleeding yourself dry for mm-hmm. somebody. Um, what love, a healthier version of love is that instead of sacrifice, it should be self-care and support. And what I mean by that is, are you doing the things you need to do to take care of yourself mm-hmm. so that rather than bleeding yourself dry, your tanks are full? And are you supporting your loved ones in them keeping their tanks full, mm-hmm. in them doing their self-care? Because in an emergency, when you need to show up for each other and, and, and use those tanks, those reserves, that's what they're there for. Right. But when we do sacrifice, it's really like relationship by endurance. Mm. And, and then bleeding yourself dry when there's actually an emergency, like no one has any resources, any resiliency, and then we just implode. Mm-hmm. And so rewiring the concept that the way I show you that I love you is that I'm taking care of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so that's a hard one for some people to wrap their head mm-hmm. around, but then like you start to realize like, oh, if you're not taking care of yourself, you don't really love me mm-hmm. because if you loved me, you would go do what you needed to do right. so that you were thriving. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that one really, really screws with Tricky. people a little bit. Oh, it's yeah. such a paradigm change. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, what I've encountered in, in most of my life is this, um, my being of service, like makes me worthy. If I don't have this other job to do outside of myself to the point of, of, yeah, of this like martyrdom, um, mm-hmm. then, you know, then I don't know who I am. And so if I'm putting myself first, you know, it, it this idea that it's selfish, it's self-centered, um, it's arrogant. I mean, I think there's a lot of like unhealthy ideas, like, especially if it, you do something like I'm going to take a bath and it's like, well, you're being lazy or, you know, to just unprogram a lot of that and realize that actually coming full into your relationship, you know, instead of this, this half pieces, mm-hmm. you know, and trying to like mush the, it's like, no, I I'm coming with a full tank and I'm reflecting this fullness to you, which allows yeah. you to really like, yeah. And the tank's gonna, it's gonna go up and down. Like it's not, the goal right. isn't to get it perfectly a hundred percent full all the time and never go and dip into your reserves. But it's that it's the paradigm shift of, Oh, like me putting on my oxygen mask first mm-hmm. is how we do this. Like yeah. this is better for our relationship. And then it starts to become really this weird question of mm-hmm. like, oh, like shit. Why am I dating people who won't put their oxygen mask mm. on first? Mm-hmm. And now we start coming into like the dating your species territory of when you can kind of swap these, the Venn diagrams out, you're like, oh, wait a minute. Who is a good fit for me? Mm-hmm. And, and then like for, for me personally, like I'm a queer polyamorous slut, like my life changed dramatically when I had the aha moment that like, oh, maybe I should just date sluts. Right. Because for me, people who are highly promiscuous um, and that, which is a very specific definition of slutdom. I'm not, yeah. I mean, there's lots of different self-expressions mm-hmm. of slutdom. There's a lot of crayons in the slut box, but like for me personally, when I started falling in love with and dating sluts, they were never mad at me for how slutty mm-hmm. I was. 
Like if I was a musician and I liked staying mm -hmm. out late and, and just jamming after the show with other yeah. musicians, well, when I started, if I dated a musician who also liked staying out late and jamming after mm -hmm. the show, we never would, we wouldn't fight about that. staying out late and jamming after the show. Like we would invite each other, like, Hey, do you mm -hmm. want to come jam with us after the show? Right. Whereas if I dated, if I, if I, and I'm not a musician, by the way, everyone <laughs> realized you I'm would the make last it, person. <laughs> no, I'd be horrible. I'm not, I should be never, don't let me near anything that makes noise. And the, but for me, when I, you know, fell in love with Allison and then my, my other lovers, like they're not mad at me because right. I want to sleep with other people or have other relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, they're, they're usually mad at me for something else, but that I, that, that idea of that shift of like, Oh, wait a minute, who's a good fit for me, mm -hmm. which is a little bit tricky because it's not about chemistry. Right. The chemistry is the bonus mm -hmm. and chemistry might be so important to you that it's, that's, it's a bottom line to your yeah. relationships, but you don't, you don't lead with the chemistry Mm -hmm. you lead with the fit because you can have a, I'm going to switch analogies. Now you can have a yeah. perfectly great car and a perfectly great set of tires, but if they're the wrong size tires for the car, no matter how much effort you put in, even if you get the tires onto the car, it doesn't mm -hmm. mean it's safe to drive. Mm. It's, it's not good for the cars and it's not right. good for the tires, but we don't, we weren't raised to think about, Mm -hmm. relationships in in that right. kind of a pragmatic way quite to the contrary i mean i think you know opposites attract is an idea that i was sold by society for sure this idea that you know you'll these things these quirky things that are you know and opposites attract you know come together and and, and it's like no that's not really uh <laughs> yeah it's more like attachment styles attract yeah. Um, and so even with attraction, you know, mm -hmm. like some of the things that we're attracted to are, are like toxic things. Like I, I definitely learned not to let that fiery side of my attraction be driving the mm -hmm. relationship. Another thing that, that might be helpful for around the attraction piece. Mm -hmm. And and this is, I, 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 when I teach this, I'll, I'll say it as a joke mm -hmm. because it does kind of oof people really hard. Um, as somebody who's worked with a lot of, you know, couples and single people around relationship skills and just talked to a lot, a lot of people about relationships. Um, I'm not saying this is everybody who's listening, that this is a situation, but there is a tendency. I am certainly guilty of this, mm -hmm. um, that whenever I met my soulmate, <gasps> you know, you go to Burning Man, you fall in love. They're my soulmate. You go to a, a weekend retreat. Remember when we used to go to retreats? Um, and it's the pandemic. The long, everyone, long ago. Like, I remember <laughs> these things. Um, but like for the people who'd be like, I met my soulmate. I'm mm -hmm. like, I think maybe you met somebody who reminds you of your parents. Mm. And they're like, no, I've, I've known this person my whole life. And I'm like, tell me more. I'm like, I was guilty of falling in love with people and in my intimate relationships, recreating a dynamic that existed in my, in my parent mm -hmm. relationship growing up where I was looking for a different outcome. Right. So the reason I felt like I knew this person my whole life was they were my mother mm -hmm. in this dynamic that I was going to work really hard. And this time I'm going to do it right and right. get a different outcome. 
So I just think it's worthwhile for people to take a look at those unhealthy dynamics mm-hmm. from our childhood. And can you complete them in therapy in a workshop mm-hmm. somehow? Because it doesn't, yeah. yeah, it doesn't mean that, that, that somebody who's like your mom mm-hmm. isn't it's attractive, right, yeah. no, but you're attracted to those people in, in a different way because you completed mm-hmm. whatever incomplete thing you needed and you weren't not in your, in your personal life or trying to work on your parental issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It is a, a trap. I mean, you know, that's your first relationship really is with your parents. So I think in, uh, in a lot of ways, yeah, if we don't heal those, we, we repeat them and play them out. So you mentioned earlier about um, coming to this place where you identified as queer. And so tell me a little bit more about that, because I feel like there is a sexual spectrum and on that, you know, often we're taught by default, the, you know, you default to heterosexual, like you're, you're born a cisgendered male and you should want to just be with women is kind of the societal thing. I think it's changing now. I think it's beautiful to see how it's changing now. Mm -hmm. Um, My friends that have kids are certainly like not giving them that, like you have one box to check, you know, concept, but, um, but yeah. So how did you come from that place? Cause it sounds like you were of the generation who, you know, heterosexual was kind of on the default. Oh yeah, like heterosexual, monogamous, save myself for marriage, mm-hmm. um, be- mostly because that's how you showed that you cared. Is mm-hmm. all these things were precious, um, and then certainly like being a virgin until married. Um, which, by the way, everyone, I, I didn't, I did, <laughs> I didn't meet those goals. I, I, I broke all those rules, and I'm married now. Um, the, the gender sexuality piece uh, as somebody who hadn't like, I didn't know I was queer growing Mm -hmm. up because I didn't really, I was mostly as far as I can tell growing up, like I was just attracted to girls. Like it just never occurred to me to be attracted to men. Um, And it was, so the the personal story, um, which people can also watch a version of this on my YouTube channel. So if you go find read about sex and click on the body storytelling playlist. Body storytelling is a really fun, dirty storytelling mm-hmm. um, podcast and live show. But um, uh, back in college, I was a stripper to help pay for mm-hmm. college. And the money back then, and for the most part still is, in yeah. stripping at gay clubs. And so there was a night where I was I was dancing. I was doing go-go dancing. And... You know, and it was so cool because I like I hadn't really been exposed to gay culture. So like, like I'm in all these gay clubs and surrounded by all these gay men and I'm dancing and I'm just like, oh, my goodness, like that guy's gay and that guy's gay and that guy doesn't look. Gay. I wouldn't even have thought that person was gay. Like, this is amazing. And like as I'm dancing, I'm just kind of realizing like how comfortable mm-hmm. I feel around gay culture and gay men. It was new, but it was like, yeah. oh, wow, like this is amazing. Like somehow my mom and dad in this small town in New Hampshire raised me and maybe my brothers. And we're just kind of, we're not homophobic. Like how cool, like they never mentioned it. It just kind of happened and like, wow, like how amazing is that? That my mom and dad just unintentionally somehow did something where we're like, I'm not homophobic. And then I, I remember having, a thought I'd never had before. Mm. So as I'm dancing, everything kind of goes into slow motion. Yeah. And I'm looking across the crowd and it's like 
you know, it's like a scene out of a, you know, like a gay party movie where everyone's dancing in slow motion. You know, it's the, it's the, mm-hmm. it's the late eighties, early nineties, you know, the club music is going. And my thought that I've never had before that was like crystal clear in my head was, mm-hmm. I wonder how not homophobic I am. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, whoa. <laughs> and then I just looked at the crowd very differently. Yeah. And then two months later, I did a private show mm-hmm. at a at a gay couple's birthday party. They were like the gay couple in the cul-de-sac of the fancy yeah. neighborhood. Um and they after like I did I did I danced for all their straight neighbors, made out with all the wives, did body shots with all the wives, and, nice. and the gay couple were just like, You're amazing. This was yeah. awesome. Thank you so much. This neighborhood is gonna have so much sex tonight because of you. Thank you, sir. Oh, by the way, if you'd like to stay, mm. we would I would love to give my partner like a birthday threesome. And I was like, huh. A few hours later, I'm driving home and I'm like. I am really not homophobic. Yeah. Oh my wow. goodness. And that was the beginning of me just like mm-hmm. being like, oh, yeah, I think I just kind of like people. Right. Not everybody, but like a lot of people. And mm-hmm. I certainly enjoyed that and I should try that again. And, you know, over the years, I would figure out like mostly I like partnering mm-hmm. um, with Volvo owners. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have, you know, I've had relationships with, with men and whatnot, but, but a lot of my, my bisexuality Mm -hmm. um, really shows up in group sex situations where I just like more of everything. Mm -hmm. Um, And like over the years I had, I was like, Oh, okay. So let me explain, like, let me study this and look at this and kind of nerd out on it. And the identity that works best for me is queer. Yeah. If I'm in a straight, group if mm-hmm. i'm teaching sex ed or relationship stuff to people who are super straight i might say bisexual mm-hmm. um because they're like oh we know what that means right um but often at some point i will i will drop in that like the word that that works best for me is queer and mm-hmm. queer for me just means ask me more right. it's like jazz if you're a jazz musician <laughs> or a jazz fan and somebody else is like, oh my God, like I play jazz or I'm a jazz fan. The next question is what kind of jazz? Mm-hmm. So queer is a great word for me because it just, it's shorthand for ask me more if you mm-hmm. are interested. Yeah. And then it's more about like, well, what kind of queer are you? Mm-hmm. And now we can have a conversation that doesn't really lend itself specifically to like just two or three catchphrases mm-hmm. because sexuality can look like a lot of different things for a lot of people. Yes. Oh my God. I love that. And I think that's the big piece in, on either side, you know, even as a woman, when I, you know, was beginning to explore is just this idea of not having to instantly check another box. It's like, okay, Mm -hmm. well, I'm having thoughts outside of heterosexual thoughts. And, you know, it's like, so if I act on that, like now, what does that mean? And it's like, it doesn't have to define or mean anything you can just decide to just be in this moment. And like you said, like, I'm interested in this person. It's this person. It's this experience. It's this set of circumstances and, mm-hmm. and give yourself permission to have that moment. Um, so we'll dive in a little bit deeper to the glorious spectrum of sexuality in just a moment. As we return, we are talking with the sex geek and you can find out 
tons more on Reed. That's R-E-I-D about sex.com. And uh, we will be back in just a moment. Thanks so much. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. The holidays are just around the corner. Do you want to go through another round of fighting and avoiding your family? Or are you ready to build the life you love? Intimacy Architecture is here to help with our Relationship Reset Program, which combines individual and partner sessions. Learn communication techniques, self-awareness, and shift your approach to connection so you can restore trust and enjoy healthy relationships with those close to you. Visit IntimacyArchitect.com to enroll. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Intimacy Architecture. We want to hear from you on the show today. Call in to 1-866-472-5788. You know there's a question you have or something on your mind. That's 1-866-472-5788. Feeling shy? That's okay. Send an email to intimacyarchitect at gmail.com. Christiane might be answering you on an upcoming show. Now back to Intimacy Architecture. Hello, hello. We are back for our final segment of the evening, and we are talking with the sex geek, Reed Mihalko, here with us, uh, just diving into, you know, the spectrum of sexuality and exploration and really getting to know yourself, um, because on the quest to truly have that intimate relationship with yourself is how we have better relationships with those around us. So let's talk a little bit about platonic male relationships. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, there seems to be a deficit, especially amongst uh, cisgendered heterosexual men to just have any sort of like physical connection with other men, which I think is a a big piece. Um, What are your thoughts on, on how you see that being taking care because that's kind of one of those things that like you kind of can't self-soothe on I think there is this you know and it's obviously tricky with what we're dealing with right now but uh where do you mm-hmm. see yeah platonic male relationships getting a boost I mean <clears throat> goodness where do we start um and again like these are all just my thoughts mm-hmm. you know reflected on my own life and and trying to unravel masculinity and people listening, I'm making, making rapid air quotes <laughs> yes. with my fingers. Um, but that like the similar to what we were talking about with dating your species, like there's so much that gets baked into the culture that you're raised in. That's just the water you're swimming in. So the idea of like masculinity and the, you know, what is toxic masculinity or what's missing that would make things healthier um, <clears throat> that we even talk in just binaries of masculinity and feminine mm, femininity right. and that like really like looking at, at gender 
and gender expression not as a as a duality mm-hmm. but more as as a as a probably a color wheel yeah and it's not even f- two-dimensional it's more like a globe so it's like three-dimensional maybe there's a fourth right. dimension but like <laughs> like like this idea of what's missing or what don't we allow ourselves to explore or to express because that's not you know a man never does that or a woman never would do that or and then all the backlash that happens culturally speaking yeah um that makes it risky to even to even give yourself permission to think about these things mm-hmm. um <clears throat> so masculinity for some people is a lot like you know for but never ends the exploration mm-hmm. of it and the deconstruction of it um it is it's similar to it reminds me of like when I'm deconstructing and trying to like look at my whiteness and, and systemic oppression and, and a lot of these things that are just like you, that blows your mind. Cause you're just like, I wouldn't have even have thought to even see or think of it that way. Yeah. Um, and you often need people like around oppression. Like I, I need my friends in my community mm-hmm who are more marginalized than me to help me think about these things. And if you don't have community like Mm -hmm. that, if you're a straight guy who doesn't have queer guy friends, like you also, it's not up to your queer guy friends to, to show you the ropes. Like you you need to also kind of do your own research and work. Um, This also applies like, like what you're talking about with platonic relationships for men Mm -hmm. and just, deconstructing masculinity also brings in you know just oppression and toxic masculinity around the me too movement mm-hmm. and and for folks who don't know about my journey like i stepped down from teaching sex ed for a year in 2018 because people came forward to kind of show me that like there were things i was doing that was harming them and I was lucky enough to have friends and community members in the restorative justice movement mm-hmm. so that they were able to help me put together a restorative justice process yeah. to kind of try to show up and like figure out what I was doing that was harming people. Cause it's not, it's not the survivor's jobs mm-hmm. for me to do that. And that is, is, and, and folks can go check that out. You can uh, go to, tinyurl.com forward slash read accountability. You can also just go to my website and there's a post so you can find the blog. But like we made that a very public blog experience for people. And and the thing that's so interesting about it for everybody is Mm -hmm. to really look at, especially in American culture, most of us were not given great tools for how you show up for people when they feel harmed. Like we're, we're still working in the, the kindergarten box of mm-hmm. like, I'm supposed to give you back your toy truck or your sand pail. I'm going to say, I'm sorry. Cause my mom's telling me to say, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And I'm supposed to hug and, and everything's supposed to go back to normal. Like, like humans are so much more complicated mm-hmm. than that. And, mm-hmm. and when you start to like geek out on trauma and understanding trauma and like, it's just, and it's a community effort. It's not mm-hmm. just a single person thing. Yeah. Um, so like, because I was blessed to have so many people who supported me in that and that we work together as a, as a community, um, I think that's useful for people 
where this applies back to what your original question was is like, there is so, there's often so much that we need. And I'll speak as, as men, like mm-hmm. as a masculine identifying person who's raised as, you know, with, you know, masculine cis, cis guy, there's so much that we need that would make our lives healthier mm-hmm. that we don't even know to think about needing it. Mm-hmm. And right. so we try to get all of our needs met often from women. If you're a mm-hmm. straight guy mm-hmm. um, and then sexuality is so laden with shame and warped fucked upness that we're trying to get our sexual needs met, but we've collapsed them onto our intimacy mm-hmm. needs so that, you know, if I'm trying if I just want platonic touch, yeah. I might make want to make a sexual move on you because I don't want you to think I'm gay. Mm-hmm. But then as I can't hug a man and really enjoy yeah. it because then he might think I'm gay. Um, or if I'm hugging my gay friend, am I giving him mixed messages? Does he think mm-hmm. I'm coming on to him? So like, it's really just kind of like declaring this whole thing, just a fucked up bankrupt Mm -hmm. situation where um, like the whole system's just screwed. And then how do we unpack all this Mm -hmm. and give ourselves permission to have healthy interactions? Right. And, and for some people that is such a big undertaking that we just shut down because how am I like, how, like, it would be like you just Mm -hmm. telling somebody, calculus (laughs) google it like use calculus and 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 most people around unpacking their own needs and and how culture screws with us like we're just we're just we're not even using an abacus like we're just using basic math Mm -hmm. barely and what we need is is a way to look at the world that is that is different and and this is for me why my geeks and my nerds in my life were so important because they often want to talk about these things mm-hmm. and they, they want to kick ideas around or recommend a book or a podcast yeah. that, you know, might help me wrap my head around something I wouldn't even have known to consider. Right. And it's because of those friends and the people I was lucky to meet mm-hmm. um, that I, you know, have the privilege to even that anyone wants to know my thoughts on these things. Like, like none of my thoughts maybe dating your species is original. Like, like I kind of came up with that idea and the Venn diagram, but a lot of what I just said about gender and accountability and harm and all that stuff, like that's not from me. That's because other people were generous with me. And it's though it's showing up though. I mean, I think that's what I love about your whole accountability process is that you didn't do it secretly. You were like, Hey, I'm going to, you know, this is another thing you say a lot on your website and is be the change you want to see in the bedroom. And I think that goes beyond just having hot, great, you know, sexually confident sex. It's also being the change around consent and boundaries and accountability and showing up and having the difficult conversations and leading that example as well. So, um, so I'm super grateful that you're, you're here and talking and sharing and, um, you know, and that you do have a wonderful support system that helps you to, to be able to show up in this space. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a big deal to be willing to look at owning your part in something. 
I mean, mm-hmm. that's a huge, huge piece um, in all of our relationships, you know, sexual yeah. and otherwise, is to just be able to have that that sense of like, okay, where am I in this story? Mm-hmm. And and this is where it does go back to like healthy relationships are so much more about community mm-hmm. than than I was raised to think. Like as a, as an as a white American. And like individualism and you pull yourself up by your bootstraps and, and all these things. Um, I mean, also for me as a comic book nerd, you know, <laughs> who, who really like took to heart, like with great power comes great responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, in a, in a weird way flies in the face of like, I'm, you know, as a man, I have all the answers and we're just gonna like fight it out and tough it out. Um but like in a from this is for my comic book nerds now. But like in, in the in that Captain America Avengers kind of like I can do this all day. Mm-hmm. Like, are you willing to reconsider that most of what you know might be wrong? Mm. And will you listen to people who have who want to show you things that are really uncomfortable? Mm. Like if you can do that all day, that's heroic. Yeah. And and I would love for that to be a a new version of what it means to be a man. Yeah. If we, you know, if we're just gonna, you know, slap a bumper sticker on it. Oh, I love that. I definitely support that vision. I would love to see that be the the new version of strength amongst men is is like, yeah, I'm gonna be vulnerable and say I don't know this and I need help, or I have this mm-hmm. other idea. And I'm, I want to change my mind because I'm aware that there's other information, new information. And I'm willing to say that like, this doesn't work anymore. Um, Cause yeah. I think it's a huge step. I think a lot of us, you know, men and, you know, gender aside, don't want to make that change. Cause it makes us feel like we were stupid or bad or wrong. And we get into this, we get too stuck in the judgment instead of moving past that and being like, okay, you know, but I can do better. I can know better and I can do better. And I can, you know, yeah. have, passion and forgiveness about where I was on my way to where I want to be. And and that, that passion and forgiveness also extends to other people because mm-hmm. you start to realize like, Oh shit, m- the, the batteries that, that this society, American society runs on are like perfection models, mm-hmm. right? Like, so, so you can't be a good teacher or a good human being. If you've ever made a mistake, you can't be a good partner. If you get lost and can't figure out where the, how to get to such and such. Like, and this is about masculinity too. Like, cause right. a real man, a real man knows how to get to from point A to point B, which is why we don't ask for directions. I don't <laughs> want to admit it. And I still, it still runs me. I, at least I catch it sooner. Right. But my impulse is to not ask for directions. Mm-hmm. You know, my impulse is to not say I'm sorry. So I have to retrain myself mm-hmm. to be like, Oh shit. Like, Rather, when somebody tells me something's wrong, for me to not be like, oh, what do you mean? But to, for me to be like, tell, tell me more. more. Thank yeah. you so much for speaking yeah. up at all. Could you tell me more? Mm-hmm. And then like around masculinity, it's like, I, you know, I think I would like to suck your dick. And I don't care if it makes me gay or not, because it doesn't. But I right. just like, I want to do this thing. Mm-hmm. So let me try this thing and see what that's like. And then. Also, like trying things and then realizing you don't like them. Right. That's that's also Huge. important because yeah. the American overachievingness has seeped into the bedroom. So mm-hmm. like if you don't like everything, 
then somehow you're not evolved. And like, so like, you don't have to be slutty. You don't have to be queer. You don't have to be, you know, mm-hmm. you can be monogamous and straight. Like the, well, the world needs everybody. Right. But be curious, be willing to allow yourself that space to be curious and, and yeah, and play, you know, have a good time mm-hmm. getting to learn about yourself and, and those that you're connecting with. Um, so we have just a couple more minutes left. What is your, um, I always love to know, you know, because we're all about building the life you love here at Intimacy Architecture. So what is your uh, one tip takeaway that you want to give on how you work to build a life that you love? Oh, um, surround yourself with people who are way smarter than you, <laughs> who will call you on your shit. That is, I, I, I can tell everybody that is the only reason I am who I am today. If you surround yourself with people who are just gonna acquiesce to you and not speak up, like you're not, it, it just, it's not going to end well. Yeah. Yeah. That little bit of challenge, that little bit of rub in a, in a healthy way, right. Mm-hmm. With emotionally intelligent people who have good nonviolent communication skills, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. accountability. I love it. All right. Well, this has been a conversation with Reed Mihalko. You can find more at Reed About Sex. That's R E I D about sex.com. There's just so many great resources, difficult conversation information. Um, like he said, all of the information about his accountability process you can find uh, via his website. They'll take you to the blog, Dating Your Species. Um, he's hosting fantastic online workshops that you can access how to be smarter and more self-confident in bed. And um, I feel like we could have a whole nother conversation I have in my notes. I'm like, oh, porn literacy and all this great stuff. So I'll have to have you back some other time. It, it would be my pleasure. Thank you, Christina. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. And thank you all for listening. This is Christiane Bella signing off from Intimacy Architecture Radio. Thank you for tuning in and being part of Intimacy Architecture. Join Christiane Bella for the next show. We're live every Friday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now go enjoy the weekend.